Welcome to Credibly Curious. Uh, my name is Nick Tierney. And I'm Saskia Freitag. And we're back. We're back. It's been a while. It has been very long. Yep. So I got sick times. Um, like the, the flu season really kicked around despite having a vaccination. Um, oh, yeah. No, the flu season was really bad this year in Australia. Yeah, that was intense. Um, I think like we've both been doing a bit of travel and yeah. Yeah, I've been to Melbourne a couple of times, um, been to a couple of conferences. Um, but my travel is actually upcoming. I'm going to Japan, which will be really exciting for a conference. So, yay. Oh, cool. When's that? In November. Yeah. So it's going to be super great. All right. Cool. Yeah. Oh, that'll be awesome. Have you been to Japan before? Yeah, I have. But never for like an academic conference. Yeah. So I think this is going to be really different. I was in, like I remember going to Korea um, I had a really great time there giving a talk at, at our conference. And um, it was really interesting seeing people speak in another language. Um, so like in Korean, but talking about R codes. So it was like in a foreign language, but about a language that I knew. Um, that was like a very interesting experience. And I knew basically no Korean when I was there. You could only interpret the R code. Basically, yeah. yeah I was like reading the slide and understanding the R code. I was like, oh, right. They're talking about a shiny app. <laughs> okay. uh, well, that's see lingua franca R code. That is uh, that's what it's good for. <laughs> it's basically it. Um, that's good. So we didn't really know what we were going to talk about until I realized we had never talked about how to make an R package. Yeah, which is quite surprising, really, because it's like one of the that's why like the thing that got me really into R more so. It, it was like sort of like the next phase along the journey. Yes. And mm -hmm. I feel like it's kind of like the quintessential thing about to talk about. So we're going like to start. start talking about why would you want to even make an R package? Yeah. So when so, do you typically yeah. make an R package? Uh, I'll make an R package if I have a function that I will use across multiple different projects. I, like I think the biggest thing is you have to write a function. And it's like, and that is sort of like the, those are like the atomic bits of a package. If you have a function in R, which I feel like for me was actually like when I was learning R, learning to write my own functions was actually such a huge turning point. And I feel like it's easy to overlook that um, in retrospect because it feels very natural to write some code that you would like to repeat on different things. Um, or to have some code that clearly describes what it does, like a nice way it, you can write a function that sort of has a name that describes what that code does. Um, and yeah, and so for me, it's about code that I'd like to repeat on other things in other projects outside the one I'm in currently. That's a, I think that's good, and that also means that you don't have to necessarily create an R package that is super, super involved because you might be the only user for that R package. Yes. Which is. I, I think wish, that's actually okay. No, that's totally fine. No, no, that's a yeah. great use. For, so I'm, I typically write R packages when... Well, well the, the time I wrote an R package was when I wanted to distribute code for a paper and mm -hmm. wanted to get people to access this. That's kind of like where I started out. Like recently, I've actually come around more maybe to what you were talking about, where I had um, a useful sort of plotting function 
that mm-hmm. was like fairly used a lot of lines of code and was fairly annoying to actually program up. And then after using it for like three months on the same project, but having to copy paste it all the time, I finally uh, was yeah. like, okay, I will bite the bullet and finally like write an R package and put it all together. Mm-hmm. And then I can like distribute it as well. And that yeah, been really like it's been a really nice experience, especially because my memories from writing an R package, what it was like, sort of five years ago to what it's like mm-hmm. now, are very very different. And it's actually much more pleasant than it what what it's used to be. Just to draw on like one point there, like your the story you're saying there of like you have this code that you use in a project and then you want to use that across like another project and you have to well, copy no, and paste the same that code. Project. I feel like that is. In the yeah. same project, but it's still because oh, really? I, I was making multiple plots, right? I still had to copy-paste the code. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that's, like, I think a really good case of, like, okay, like, you want to think about a function and you want to think about maybe um, writing, like, a way to transport that function across other things. And that's, yeah. But, like, I think that that, like, what you described is sort of the, like, that describes, like, the motivation to write it, I guess. Like, you wouldn't have necessarily started with, creating a plot and then immediately said, oh, I'm going to write an R package now. Like, no, no, it took me like, this, I, yeah. I, had, mm. I had made probably around 20 of these plots before I decided to like yeah. go and write an R package for it. Mm. And also because I thought it was actually rather difficult to design an effective R package for this. This wasn't a straight, just copy, like copy paste the code that you've been using because that yep. code was like, that. there was no way that that code was working in an R package. Like it actually needed to completely redesign it so mm. it fit for the purpose. Um, and it was more generalized, right? I had very mm-hmm. specific cases and the way that I would go in, I would then, you know, with the copy pasting, I could then change slight things. Mm-hmm. But to make it generalizable, I had to actually think about how how am I going to go about this? How can I keep performance running? Like, what is actually sensible? What would a good user experience be like? All of these things that you, when you copy-paste code, you don't need to think mm. about. This I'm not advocating right, yeah, for copy-pasting code here, but... Yeah, no, but there's, like, sort of that change in... It's, like, yeah. the change in gears there where you go from, like, uh, making this work for my context to making this work on texts. Um, yeah, so you're no longer a user, you're actually a developer. That's when you step in the developer role, Right. Mm. But I think like it's just something that I think is interesting and, and maybe worthwhile pointing out is that like if you haven't written an R package before, um, it can feel very intimidating. And I guess I want to just, it's not as if like the process of writing an R package is something that you, like you don't always have this idea of like, oh, I'll write an R package and it's going to do these things. It's like oftentimes it comes from, the process that you described where you sort of are writing some code and then you experience some level of frustration, which is like, and so that's, so you had some problem and then you worked out a way to do the plotting um, of this and then like you had to copy and paste the plot code a lot. And I feel like at some point you sort of hit like this threshold of like pain slash frustration and then writing an R package becomes like a way to overcome that. 
uh, is that I don't know. I, like I feel like for no, me, no, like a lot of that's a very of... accurate description. And okay, yeah, wouldn't want anyone to be turned off by this like story where I'm like, oh, it was so hard to make it more generalizable. That's not always the case. Sometimes it's really simple. So I think then that like it sort of covers this like why would you write an R package? I I feel like for me it's usually I have some base level of frustration and that uh, and like and some problem that needs solving. Um, True. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think it was also really interesting. Someone pointed out when you shouldn't write an R package. Ah, okay. Which I thought right. was good to remember. So don't write an R package if there's already an R package that exists that does what you want to do. And Yes, yeah. If you really want to find, like, make a use, more user-friendly implementation of an R package that already exists, maybe ask to collaborate with the person that has written the R package. Hmm. Instead of writing a completely new R package, it's so hard to be maintaining. We're going to get to that point later that most mm. people will probably be so grateful to have some help on their packages. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually had this um, recently, someone on Twitter said that they were working on an R package to help with missing data. And then they saw that I have an R package called Narnia uh, that helps with missing data. And they said, I like they wish they'd seen this sort of like a year ago when, like, how do you properly search uh, and create ways to search for our packages. There was like a, some shiny app that was trying to be more discoverable where you could put keywords into it. Yeah, there has been some interesting R package that. Um, there's one in particular called Flipper that is on our OpenSci Labs. Um, but um, yeah, no, there's been some interesting work there. And um, I haven't seen that one with the shiny app though. I'd be interested in having a look at that. I'll put it in the show notes if I can find it again. Otherwise, it was a lie. Um, and I just yeah. invented that and someone should write it. <laughs> no, but I'm pretty sure it exists already. <laughs> okay. How do you design an R package? So when you, like, this is more for the distribution side. Like if you have obviously mm -hmm. code that you are needing in your personal day-to-day -day life um, mm. and it's working for you, great. But when you think about how to distribute something to like other people, then I think you need to, you need to think about what a good function is. So mm. you want it to do a very specific thing. It has to sort of be modular. So And it should use like intuitive names and parameters. So it's like easy to use and easy to reuse. So When you like are in the design phase. Yeah, I don't... That's a good question. Like because when I... Sort of SD Hex was kind of... was a bit more organic when it came about. Mm -hmm. In yeah. a way that I would... I had already had all of this, you know, copy-paste text, but I knew that that mm -hmm. wasn't going to work for an R package. So mm -hmm. I kind of, I split it up into mm -hmm. simpler things. And then it, like, sort of by thinking about it really long and hard, like, yep. but not, I didn't ever sit down to think about it. This was like a really weird thing. Like, it was always in the back of my mind bubbling around. And for the longest time, I'd put it off and saying, I can't do this. It's too hard. I don't know how to split the functions and how mm. to provide this. Mm. And then it became apparent that I really, really needed to provide this package because other people were tr like trying to use those functions that I, like, well, the, those plots that I had shown them, they wanted to recreate mm. them. So I was like, okay, I need to get this to work somehow but by that time like my brain had sort of organically come up with a modularity structure that when I then implemented it actually really worked really nicely but mm. like this is the thing I would 
to be honest, I have absolutely no way of describing how in the end I actually ended up with that solution that works really, like it, it does work super nice. I'm super proud of it, but like I have no way of explaining how I got there. And it's kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah, so I think, hmm. So I've thought about this a fair bit and I think I've noticed something interesting happen at Monash where like, so I like talking to Ira Wang and Mitchahara Wild, um, they have this interesting approach, which is you design the API first. So the API is like the programming interface, like how it behaves. And so the idea is that you design like just with code that doesn't even work yet, like what the code would look like and what sort of things it would return and what the user would expect or input. Um, so I think that there's actually three ways to go about this. There's you write code first, which is you solve a problem and you write all of the code to do it. And then you look at that code and then you think about what are the parts that change and then you write a function. And then there's you write the function first, which I find I still struggle with now, but is like a different way of programming where you just write the functions that you're using first to solve the problem. That's so hard. I find it hard. The times I have done it, it feels really cool, um, but I still, it's not something that I'm super comfortable with, but it is like, it, it falls into like a school of thought about functional programming sure. um, as like a deeper way to solve things, which um, also means that you're writing functions that you haven't finished yet that interact with other functions that you haven't actually written. Um, I mean, I would love to be able to do this, but I feel like I'm... I'm just more comfortable in sort of like the data analysis organic yeah. non-developer programming. Yeah, well, that's definitely where I've sat like for a while. It's like I solve the problem first and then I write a function and I might just write one function covers everything. And then I think from that, I sort of can then chop that up into smaller pieces. So yeah, I start with one like huge master function and then you s and then I start with a principle, which I think Hadley mentions in one of his books, which is that a function should return only one thing. So then I sort of break up that one huge that one huge function into like many different parts, um, and that like which sort of are the functions that describe this in in that larger function. Um, yeah, and then the process that I really enjoy about what I've seen Mitch and Eero do, which is like you design how you want this function to work first. And once you've done that, then writing the code is easy. Well, easier. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the point is, and this comes up all the time, it's like there are so many different ways to do this and like neither of these is necessarily like 100% right and correct. It's just the different. Yeah, no, they're just not, they're not mm. better or worse, right? It's about mm. what comes out at the end and that yeah. just depends. Anyway, moving on. So Nick, all right, are you ready? How do you get started in making an R package? Well, so there is a really easy way to do mm -hmm. it with RStudio once you have some functions. And mm. like, I will challenge Nick in a second. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I just saw this, yeah. I okay. like, he just saw this, so he doesn't know. But he has explained this to me before because I have sat in a tutorial where he has explained this. And it was that mm. good that I could have, like, after the tutorial, I explained it to my dad mm. without seeing what he was doing on the phone. 
Yeah. And how to make an R package in five minutes. And it worked out. Like he, he had a functioning R package at the end of the five minutes with like, you know, one function that was doing X plus Y. But so it does. That's, a, oh, that's great to hear. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, no, no, your explanation was wonderful. So uh, I'm okay. Um, my R Studio. Okay. All right. So we're doing, okay. All right. So have an R Studio session open. Um, and then you're going to go into file new project. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, Where that do takes I a moment. click? So there's three things that come up, new directory, existing directory, and version control. You want to say new directory and then yes. click our package and then write your package name. So we're going to say something like praise or praising or praise me. Because we're going um, to he, write a wonderful package that's going to be praising me. Yeah, it's me, me, yes, me. exactly. <laughs> and then if you want, you could actually base this on some source files. So if you have some R code you want to include in here, you, you can add or remove, but you don't have to do anything. Yeah. You can then say um, create a project as a subdirectory of, and then so here, like you are choosing the place that you save it in. Um, there's then an option to create a Git repository. It would say click that tick box, leave the one on the right hand side that says use Packwrap with this project, and then click the bottom left hand side that says open in new session. And then you click create project, and then it'll churn for a moment. And then that's it. Then you have and the then, first approach. <laughs> yeah, like, like, and then you have this thing that says hello world, which is an example function called hello. Uh, and then it actually gives you a link to package authoring with RStudio for the R packages book. And then it gives you some useful things um, in there. So what I'm actually going to suggest is instead of hello, we just overwrite that and we write praise as a function. And then it says print, and we're going to say... You are awesome. And then we save that. And then we go into the right-hand side, and there's a tab that says Build. I can say Install and Restart. And then we've created an R package. We Amazing. Yeah, well, right, like step one. I didn't stop the time, unfortunately. Uh, because we had some issues. <coughs> let's, <coughs> let's not mention those. Um, yeah. But actually, it was probably less than five minutes. <laughs> so yeah, so it gets you started, and then there's some other things you need to talk about. about In the files pane there, you have a whole bunch of R files there that sort of describe how the R package works. And yeah, so okay, so like that seemed to go relatively well. And I guess from here, like the best place I think is the R packages guide. I think. Um, yes. So I then, will put some show notes, some show notes up. Um, mm. But if you want to know anything more, there obviously Hadley has an excellent package on how to write R packages. Roger Peng mm -hmm. has a package, uh, a package, a book down. Sorry, that's yep. also really really good. Mastering software development. Um, I should also mention that when I went through this um, course on how to create like, an art package, that tutorial. That was actually designed with Roger as well. So Roger was really, um, yeah, so it was Roger and, um, so Roger Peng and, and Cyrus Windicker 
in the following year. Um, yeah, so I just want to acknowledge them because they were really crucial to making all of this work well. Cool. Um, okay, and then so, so then, then there's the nitty gritty. We're going to not do the nitty gritty. Um, okay. In fair enough. We're just going to talk about the nitty gritty, so that makes it easier. But yes. I did want to quickly mention that documenting is obviously the be and all in an R package because we want other people to be able to use it and also for you if you're just creating a personal R package, it would still be nice probably to just quickly note down what the parameters are doing and what the function in general is doing. Yeah, so it's like you put in there like how this function works, like so what it does and then what the inputs require. Yes. And then if you're really, I think it's always good to write an example as well. Yes, that's also super, yeah, super important. And um, the way to do the documentation easily is with Roxygen Toe. Mm -hmm. And there is a neat way with the use this package um, mm -hmm. to just get a scaffold in. Or even in RStudio, I think there's a little button that you can press, right? Yeah, there's this great option that says insert Roxygen skeleton. And as long as your mouse cursor is inside a function that you've created, it'll um, create like a skeleton for you, uh, including all the argument names, which is great. So the skeleton just goes on the top and the skeleton yep. is kind of like a comment, but it is marked by um, mm -hmm. a hash and a little, what is it, Apost apostrophe? Yeah, just a single apostrophe, yeah. Yeah, and that tells Roxygen that this is actually not just a comment, but that is, it is documentation and that then creates your manual pages which go into the man folder yeah exactly so then that comes up when you type question mark on your like on your function name or if you write help or if you do like your, PDF, your function your manual PDF. or your pdf that's right yeah yeah the larger manual okay so that's so that's documentation briefly uh and then vignettes so what are vignettes ask yeah vignettes are kind of just like um a markdown, an R markdown file where you give a more complex example of what your code mm -hmm. can do, like yep. the package and um, sort of like it should be like an, a real world example of how your package can be applied and like all of its functionality ideally. Mm -hmm. I also like that people are now writing multiple vignettes for their package. Mm -hmm. I think that's really helpful, if you, especially if your package is not just solving like one problem. It can be really nice mm. to showcase several sort of real-world problems, and that's super helpful for the user. Yeah, so these are sort of like the longer form, um, like rather than a short example, like a bit more of a motivation, a bit of a story, I guess, sometimes. Yeah, and it can also run a bit longer, right? Your example yeah. should be something that gives quick returns, whereas a vignette, mm. like you can have code that runs for, you know, a couple of 10 seconds. Yes, yeah. And the user is not supposed to get annoyed by that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, good. So we got, so we got documentation and vignettes and then testing. Testing. Um, so, I've, yeah, used, so, I've used this really recently, so I'm very excited about this. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, tell me about it. So not sure whether I have used this to great effect. That, that being said, <laughs> I was more motivated by getting a batch, to be honest. So here. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted a badge on my GitHub that said I had code coverage of like over 90% and I got there. Yep. 
Nice. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Is so, that on the on the Shex package? Yeah. So hey, if, nice. Ninety one percent. Yeah. So it's pretty good, but. <laughs> but. But so what you do is you basically write little test cases of um, sort of an expected return value that your function should give, and then you can automatically test it whenever you build the package that this is what's happening. And if it doesn't happen, if something else mm. happens and it doesn't return the expected value, then you know that you have broken something and in the build process, it will warn you about that. It will tell you where the error occurred and you can go back and look at that. So that helps you in maintaining your package. Yeah, and it's really nice because it's like, it means that later on, like once you have, say for example, you've got like, 90% code coverage, you sort of, you have stated clearly what you expect to happen for most of your functions uh, or basically all your functions yeah. here and then it means that if you want to change anything later on, you can kind of do that pretty freely because you don't have to worry about keeping in your mind like how changing something might affect other parts of your code, like you've already spent the time doing that. So I found it really useful for if I have to, if I decide actually I think there's a better way to do this and a better process and I can go through and I can change things and if all my tests still pass then I know that I'm still good, like I haven't broken things for the user. Um, that doesn't often happen, it often happens I like break my tests and then I realize that maybe my assumptions were incorrect and then I think about a lot of other deeper things. So yeah, it is nice, yeah, like it, yeah, it's a very useful process to go through. It makes you question how you write code in, yeah. I think, a really cool way. No, it does. And what I found a bit 